everybody for joining me. In case you're not familiar with me yet, my name is Dee and this is my podcast called Let Me Clear My Throat. Today I would like to discuss a topic that I feel is a huge, huge controversy that has affected not only us as human beings, as Americans, but also as parents. I was trying to find the perfect title to name this um, because in all fairness, I mean, how do you title something that is as valuable as an innocent human life? My topic today is geared towards a level that I don't think has been viewed in this particular manner and maybe uh, it's about time that it is. Men, my podcast today is called Men Being Raped of Their Rights as a Father. Now I understand that this is a very deep and emotional topic and I'm not by any means trying to downplay or play with any of the trauma or PTSD or any everlasting effects or loss and heartache that you have ever had to endure or have been associated with. I give my wholehearted condolences to everyone that has suffered any personal effect and loss due to any event or events relating to this particular sensitive area and um, any heartbreaking experience. I hope that you do not take this and what I'm going to say as a personal attack against you or on your grief Uh, or anything that you are going through, nor am I purposely trying to stir up anything that you're trying to currently or have coped with. I pray that um, what I'm going to try to express will come over as as sensitive as possible, but yet informative enough for you, um, also as a product, as a parent, and... And maybe raise some much needed tension, hopefully, in these particular areas as well as others that I'm sure have crossed and have been implanted in most of our minds. It is, um, and if it has, then shame on us as human beings and as parents. I would also like to go on to say that my reason for even creating this site is to touch base on things that others may feel, want to say, wish they could say, maybe knew how to say, or maybe others would be able to say more often for them. Not everybody is good with their words. I do fully understand that my thoughts, my words, and even my personal research ethics can be taken in ways that are not always meeting meeting everyone's approval. And I understand that not everybody is going to agree with what I have to say and might even... Um, stir things, some things up and some um, opinions and get some people thinking. Um, however, I would like to express my deepest respect for your First Amendment right and your First Amendment thought. And I also hope that you will be able to do the same for me. <clears throat> I am not trying to offend or compromise anybody, nor am I not willing to correct myself when I am only in the wrong. I have been through a lot of experiences in my life as a child and as a parent, and many have resulted in traumas throughout my lifetime. While I'm not trying to lessen the devastation of a male or a female being physically um, or violently or forcefully raped, um, as I too am a victim of this level of magnitude, I was a victim of being stalked and raped uh, in 2006. 
And I know and understand that while this may not compare to that level of violence, of violation, if you will, it is still a violation that resulted in being forced to do something against your will. I have firsthandly witnessed this level of such devastating violation as well. <clears throat> I do emphasize, I'm sorry, excuse me, I do empathize with others and understand that there are always multiple sides to every story and multiple trigger points that lead unintentionally to areas that I personally have not firsthandly encountered in your particular scenario or life. However, in writing this and speaking on this, I am also putting my own personal life and triggers out there and trying to talk about things that I have gone through and may not have gone into de detail with uh, personally in my own mind for several years that I personally have pushed away and um, not spoke of. There are many people that are probably listening to this now that will have never heard any of some of this stuff that I'm going to talk about personally about myself. Um, and firsthandly, people now finding out about my scenario and my trauma that I have went through um, already that I have already spoken of. Um, I speak on topics that I am passionate about or feel need to be made more passionate uh, focus on. My thoughts, questions, concerns, and lack of understanding plays the main role in all that I do and I say. I am very passionate and a caring person and take me, you, our nation, God, and everything in between that we are very serious. I am not here to patronize anybody, nor am I here to state that I am an opinionated person and that I'm not willing to listen or try to understand anybody. I respect your experiences, your opinions, your feelings, and your well-being. I do not, nor will I ever go out of my way to personally hurt you or anybody else. I understand that this seems to be a huge controversy that, in fact, in all honesty, it really shouldn't be. Now, while I will not argue that our society, level of point of views, and understanding have changed dramatically in the world, as well as our perspective and our opinions of our lives as we continue to evolve, learn, and understand that we as human beings matter in a manner that should be equal to one another. While women have struggled to gain their rights in this world, in the male-dominant places outside of the home, and even in the home, it can't be, it really can't be disputed that it does, in fact, take two to conceive and bring life into the world. When women experience a different level of the conception, um, since our bodies are created in such a miracle way to be able to develop, nurture, nurture, excuse me, nurture, <laughs> um, even feel and hear and even birth a child. While there are maybe some technology though today, they can give a bit of a replication, if you will, on how the weight and pain of a delivery may feel. Nobody will, it cannot really be an exact experience um, of such a blessing as being able to carry and feel and actually giving birth and even the recovery, hormones and responsibilities and the changes in the woman's body is a, a, an area that cannot be touched by technology, honestly. <laughs> um, while I do not downplay play that certain males do not experience some familiar attributes of the effects of, of being pregnant, uh, such as morning sickness and gaining weight, stretch marks and gaining weight. 
men going to appointments and trying to hear and see the heartbeat and, and see the little figure on the screen and maybe even being able to see the mother's stomach lift and shift around while the baby kicks. My ex-husband uh, used to have morning sickness all the time and he would crave mint chocolate chip ice cream. He didn't like mint chocolate chip ice cream. Um, but he would get up and he'd be throwing up and he would call me from work and he's like, is there something you need to tell me? <laughs> um, and I'm like, no, no. Uh, but he had morning sickness. I never had morning sickness with any of my children. Um, he had all the morning sickness. <laughs> so thank you. Um, anyway, <laughs> Uh, while every experience of pregnancy is different, the fact that there are such limitations for the male's role in some ways remain a huge concern, con controversy, and well, a woman-dominated debate that leads to a final decision with little to, to no choice for the male. A woman can determine her role in a pregnancy and the outcome of it, but a male cannot. Now, for argument's sake, I'm going to say that everybody listening to this right now knows all about the birds and the bees. And the bees, bees and the bees and the birds and the birds and the bees being birds and the birds being bees or however it goes nowadays. Anyway, we all know how babies made. However, I think it is neglected to be considered that when we know the way a baby is conceived, needing both parents in order to form a life, the male's role, unfortunately, is haltered halted, I'm sorry, excuse me, halted in any decisions on whether or not that life can be allowed to continue to develop, how it's nurtured, how it's cared for, how it's carried, the type of delivery options available, and maybe not even be able to allowed to go in a birthing room due to either a complication or technicality or even when COVID was um, a situation, some parents were not even allowed to be in the birthing room. Um, or some fathers, I'm sorry. Many fathers are stripped and raped of their rights with little to no say on the very same equal child that they helped to conceive and create. If a woman decides that she doesn't want to continue with the pregnancy, then she's allowed to terminate this blessing while the male has to fight for his right to not have this blessing terminated. How is that even remotely fair at all? If a woman doesn't want to be responsible in raising this little bundle of joy, then why shouldn't the male be able to? He should be have the same equal right in this choice. Instead, he is left feeling helpless while mourning the death of his unborn child. And that's supposed to be okay. Now, I know that this is a sensitive subject, and it should be. Insensitive is more like it. This is a human being that is being taken for granted and not given the chance of a life. Leaving a father that is willing to give this child a life, unable to do so and be a responsible parent that they're trying to be for their unborn child and give them that life. Sadly, there are many men in this world that may never even know that they even are on this level in the first place. They don't even know they even have a child in this world or were even a possibility of being in this world. Merely because a woman can go and terminate her pregnancy or run away, dictate, or whatever is done without the father's consent, signature, or even knowledge. Why shouldn't it be mandatory if this is an option that it be an equal decision to be made? 
Why shouldn't it require two signatures to terminate any such life form at all? There takes two signatures that should go on a birth certificate. Why shouldn't it take two signatures to go on a death? That shouldn't even be even a possibility. If it doesn't need to be a possibility. Now, you know, parents take their children to the doctors or other places that they have to sign for a legal guardianship or a parent that has a minor. Well, I understand that you can't always have both parents present at the same time. That is not the same as the actual God-given right of life. It takes two to make a baby, and it should take two to decide on the same fate. Now, let's fast forward a bit. Let's say the mom and dad decide that they shared this beautiful gift in the child, birth of their child. And say their relationship doesn't work out for whatever reason. Maybe she doesn't like his balding head and he doesn't like her developing mustache. So now they split up. Here's this beautiful little being conceived, developed, and created by a love that once was that is now disintegrated. Now what? Who gets custody? Who pays? Who takes responsibility? Who has the dominant role? And who is left to be at the mercy of the other and have the right and participation of their child's life? Now, I've watched over many years, many children continue to be in a position between two parents, falling victim of their rights to have an equal parent in their life. Sadly, the father continues to be in the same situ situation sometimes and at the mercy of the mother's influence and contradictions. And this goes both ways because there are some amazing men out there that do take over this responsibility and the roles are reversed. So I by no means am trying to downplay your beautifulness at all. I applaud any parent that steps up to the plate. While some situations are are a more severe degree. There are more unnecessary amount of victimized fathers left to wonder what it would be actually like to even have a non-dictated or controlled role in their child's own life. I knew someone near and dear to me that was always trying his best to be in his kid's life. He would go there um, for his divorce and he was entitled to visitation every weekend, 6 p.m. Friday to 6 p.m. Sunday, and guideline holidays. However, his chances of his court-ordered right was always being manipulated at the discretion and control of the mother. She literally would not make the children available or make him feel like he needed to beg for his court-ordered and God-given right. She would continue to move around, upbringing the kids, changing their addresses, their schools, um, availability for the father to even know the well-being of the whereabouts of his children. He would petition the court um, for his rights and often being denied for whatever reason to be heard of his complaint and his concern. He watched as his children would beg for his attention and his children would try to convince their mother to let them see their father and spend time with him. She manipulated his interaction uh, with his kids and abused her authority with him and would intentionally implant negative thoughts both in him and the children and conversations uh, that she would present in the presence of the children that would leave them caught in the crossfire and battle that was only being dictated 
more or less by the mother. And the father being left standing there, bewildered, heartbroken, and sometimes made to leave without being able to have his child. Um, she would literally taunt him and maybe even let him only have maybe one kid instead of both of them. Why? What was this actually doing but hurting the kids? The, the kids the right to something that shouldn't even be a factor in the first place, let alone disrupting the development of the relationship that the child and the father need and the memories and all the well-deserved rightfully moments due to the father and the child literally trying to participate in each, child, in each other's lives. Now, I remember the same mother keeping the kids away from their dad for, for three months. She kept them away. And um, she decided that one day he could see them. So, you know, he was at the laundromat doing laundry, and she came over there, and she met him there. And the kids had run up to him, so happy to see him, and it would have made your eyes just melt in tears. And a woman standing there nearby, she made a comment to the mother about how wonderful it was to see kids so happy to see their husband, or to see their dad. And the mother replied to this woman that they hadn't seen their dad in over three months. And she made it sound like he had been deployed or something of that nature, and it was like a homecoming. And the woman then, of course, responded in a manner stemming from this positive perception. However, the mother neglected to continue to tell this exact woman that they hadn't seen their father in three months because she had been purposely controlling and manipulating the relationship and not following her court-ordered visitation terms. Instead, she was trying to take credit for being the heroic mother and bringing the child to have a homecoming with their their father and getting praise for it by a woman that didn't even really know the full story. Now, of course, I could go on and on here. <laughs> Believe me, I could because there is more to the story that I will not go into. <laughs> but I am pretty confident that this may be a lot of the same scenario that many fathers continue to face and regard one sense or another of their rights and their alteredness and even severed relationships with resulting with their children. You hear many stories on how the father did this or the father did this or he didn't do that or he didn't do that. He didn't call his kids. He doesn't pay support. He doesn't do the blah, 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 blah. And sometimes the mother, don't get me wrong, because there are mothers that do this too. I, by no means, I'm trying not to flip it on that other. Because there's always another side. Now, don't get me wrong. I know all too well that there are fathers that like to play victim. And mothers like to play victim. When in fact that the only part of being a victim in this is their own excuses and their lack of participation. So, by no means am I trying to downplay that in any way. Because I do know that those relationships do exist. And in doing my research... I found something on, uh, according to Fine Law, a gentleman named John Mascolo, I hope I'm saying that right, posted an article that was legally reviewed by Joseph Fallbush on June the 7th, 2023. In this article, it describes a divorce and custody proceeding being often high stress and continuous event. It goes on to say that social scientists and psychologists have taken on the task of explaining a certain excessive behavior as a recurring problem and gave it a label. There is a label for this problem. It is called malicious mother syndrome 
or malicious parent syndrome. A psychiatrist, Ira Turcotte, which I'm hoping I'm saying that right, first proposed malicious parent syndrome and believed it to describe a series of patterns of abnormal behavior during a divorce process. He later thought the ideals of malicious parent syndrome along to be along as the same lines as a parental alienation syndrome. Now, if you've been a victim to malicious parent syndrome, you understand this all too well. You and your children um, both have been victims of, maybe have been a victim of a malicious ex-spouse or a significant other, if you will, that you are not knowledgeable of, have acknowledged, or even realized you were even a victim of. Now, if you have, of course, there are resources out there. And you may be able to even have your custody or support guidelines modified. You might be able to seek a court order counseling for the malicious parent and ask the court uh, to intervene and maybe even obtain supervised visitations. Maybe you need to protect yourself from said parent to protect you from being attacked and falsely accused of things that have not been done that you are being blamed for. Um, Some things very, very... um, just straight up wrong. <laughs> um, children deserve the best possible starts in their lives. They need both parents to cooperate for their best interest. It can be frustrating, frustrating um, as a child when a malicious parent stands in the way of your relationship with your other parent. You can seek legal advice to help you resolve these issues but if you're already a child and grown into adult, what good is that going to do you? And as a parent that seems to never have anybody listen to you or giving you a chance to even understand your story of what you're going through and what you're dealing with and what you're trying to cope with, then you're going to catch 22 because you're, you're not getting anywhere. And the only people that are suffering... Are your, are your children and, and the parent that is so desperately trying to be in that parent's life. Now, even though none of these are technically medically recognized and health care professionals, excuse me, don't treat it as a form as a mental illness, does not mean that the father doesn't suffer a continuous mental anguish and a PTSD in regards to his children and his own worth in a parental role. This alone doesn't need a doctor coming in and prescribing such a heartache. It is just a natural reaction and feeling embedded into their soul. For any parent to punish you or give you a time out, if you will, as an opposite parent, or to go out of their way to deprive you of your child in order to make themselves look better or look like the... Um, the, the angel, the knight in shining armor, if you will, of their child and make the other per- parent look like the demon and the bad person or even make false, af- af- uh, excuse me, I can't talk, accusations in order to gain dominancy and control of an otherwise and rightfully 50-50 parental role. A contribution in the care and structure of the same thing that they both have in common. Their child. A once loving and meaningful special moment of memories frozen in a time. Now a Picasso piece 
of a havoc and malicious abuse. The one person, the parent, trying to prove to the world is not worthy of being a parent, is instead being the main character in the mental disruption and stability of their child. So the person that is trying to prove to the world that the other person is not worthy and is all this, that, and the other is actually instead the main character in the abuse of the mental disruption and instability of their own child. Their own child is made to suffer and go through the mental, unstable, verbal, mental, physical, and heartbreaking effects for the rest of their innocent lives. These same children grow up. Now they need to decide, do they want to continue this life? The same parental role that they have witnessed and they have learned and been taught? Or do they want to break this cycle and acknowledge it? And that they need to have balance in their minds and structure in their child's life and break the cycle. Now my ex-husband and I, <clears throat> we've known each other since we were eight years old. We used to play hide and seek together as kids and at one point in time he had a crush on my older sister. Later, obviously, it developed more in feelings for me as we were eventually married. We had went to see a movie, Twins, matter of fact, and me not being, uh, realizing that he was totally crushing on me, but we were just out hanging out as I had known him forever, um, you know. Well, fast forward, we were married. We had two children. His parents were uh, a solid marriage, hillbillies from West Virginia. Um, I, being from a broken home, witnessed firsthand violent behavior between my mother and my biological father. My biological father is not my father that I have spoken about in my past uh, podcast previously that has recently passed away last year. Um, he actually was my stepfather, but he was my father, my dad, through and through. Um, and uh, I do not have a relationship with my biological father. Now, my ex-husband and I were the ideal marriage. I guess society would think so anyway. He worked full-time, and I stayed uh, home with the kids. Uh, we even had an outside dog that he was a huge hunter, so it was a hunting dog, coon dog. Anyway, our relationship turned um, violent. I found myself covering my bruises and hiding the abuse um, that I was being put through. I was um, pinned to the wall. I was thrown to the floor. My head slammed back and forth, beating my head to the floor, him pinning me down. Uh, I would take my foot and place it on him and try to shove him across the room as far as I can get him off of me. Um, and when I did try to speak on it, of course, nobody wanted to believe me. Um, so, uh, anyway, um, our marriage eventually um, ended in divorce in 1995. And our, but our parenting roles uh, were set in a manner that was beneficial and healthy for our children. But as well, I made sure it was um, well for myself. Being a domestic violence survivor, I had to protect myself as well as let him be a parent to our children. So I had to find a balance there, but also I was still a victim. And also needed to ensure that my children were safe. And since nobody wanted to believe me, I was kind of in my catch-22, if you will. If you will. So... Um, 
Fortunately, though, he did, well, he, he did, but he didn't really have a choice, but he did. But he respected this role, and he would pick up and drop off my kids at my mother's house. Our kids, I'm sorry, excuse me, our kids at my mother's house. And he was able to contact them on her phone, as we had a rotary still back then to, to that day. Years passed by, and um, he was... Um, Asking me if he would be able to ever see the kids where they lived and be able to see their bedrooms and be a part of their of their lives and see how their lives were, um, their environments. And then I explained to him, you know, obviously his kids are his kids, but still, that was still my home. That was my privacy, my house, my safe haven, and something without him. And um, over the years, of course, we developed and grew and were different people and I became stronger and uh, more knowledgeable of my self-worth and my mental growth and I eventually agreed to give him the address and my phone number. Um, I never deprived him of his kids and um, I was just always merely trying to protect my own safety and security as well as theirs. <clears throat> I do remember him saying to me once, I'm sorry, excuse me. I remember saying to him once, um, I asked him I, when he was asking me about wanting to see the kids' bedrooms and home and, and stuff. I said, do you remember all the years that you have always wanted to know where the kids lived and always wanted to be able to come to my home and see their bedrooms and their environments? And he replied, yes, I, I remember. And I said, do you remember how that made you feel? And he said, yeah, I remember. I said, good, then we are in an understanding that you will not abuse this privilege that I am going to give you of being in my home. While your children do live here, this is still my personal home and my space. I don't bother you in your home. I, I respect your privacy and I expect the same from you. It is about the kids and your rights to their lives that regardless I have never kept you from. In fact, I have always tried to encourage you to be more in their lives. Now a lot a lot was growth as we were both young. A lot. And in the end, um our relationship was something that was different. Um you don't see or hear a lot of balanced uh parental co-parenting relationships in the world, let alone those that are stemming from past experience of domestic violence. Um, and it was not something that was accomplished overnight. It really wasn't. It was a lot of hard work. I used to have this saying, <laughs> I used to have this saying, my ex-husband and I have an understanding. I say he understands. Now, why that sounds funny and most guys are probably, yep, I, yep, mm, and the woman's like, you're down right. I don't necessarily mean it that way, but I do. Because a lot was a lot of growing up for both of us. But being a domestic victim, it was a lot different level than just growing up. Because that's not about innocence and growth. That's about feeling secure, safe in a surrounding that you felt your life was in danger from. And you have the responsibility of ensuring that same safety on your child. So if he can do that to you, you need to make sure that he isn't at that level to do that to your child. And vice versa. 
Um, now, my youngest daughter, uh, my youngest daughter was born in 2002. Now, this is not his daughter. Uh, I have a son and a daughter with him, and then I had another daughter 10 years later <laughs> uh, by someone else. But he treated her so sweetly. And he would come, when he would come over every other weekend to pick up his kids, he would bring my youngest daughter something, or he would give her change out of his pocket, or he'd, he'd buy her Christmas gifts, birthday gifts. Um, and as she grew up, the whole, the change turned into paper. <laughs> she finally looked at him one day and said, can I have the green paper instead? <laughs> and uh, he would laugh, and he gave her a dollar. Um, instead, and it grew into the, the green dollar. His wife uh, that he married, um, we balanced with her as well. And um, she actually made my youngest daughter a blanket at Christmas, my daughter's first Christmas. And my daughter to this day still has that blanket and has passed that on to her own son. Now, when my ex-husband and my daughter, <clears throat> I'm sorry, my when my ex-husband and my oldest daughter his, uh, my daughter with him. <laughs> I know it's confusing. When my ex-husband and my daughter that we have together uh, was delivering my granddaughter that has Down syndrome, he was on the phone with me, uh, giving me, I was a two and a half hour drive to the hospital. And while I knew the way to the hospital, um, he was giving me directions, but because I was trying to cut through country roads and I was stuck behind a farm trailer and uh, tractor and everything going so slow. And I was racing against time because I knew my daughter was about to deliver. And um, he was giving me the play-by-play -play straight from the delivery room. And uh, he kept saying, where are you at? Whether she's wanting to push. And I'm like, no, no, tell her to wait. And he was telling me, um, well, our daughter's ready to push and... You need to park and you need to run. <laughs> and I parked and I ran and the kids, the other kids that were there, the teenagers, um, were holding the door open for me. And I ran down and he just walked out of the room and just pointed to the delivery room for me just to slide in there. And uh, he went out into the waiting room. And I knew it was her room because she had mismatched socks on. <laughs> uh, otherwise, I was in somebody else's room. <laughs> but I was going to see a baby be born. <laughs> and um, anyway, he stepped out. And I was in there. And our perfect little granddaughter was born. Uh, she had Down syndrome. Has Down syndrome. Sorry, not past tense. And she was lifeline to Riley Hospital. <clears throat> she uh, had to have emergency surgery. As her pancreas was wrapped, her intestines was wrapped around her pancreas. I'm sorry. Um, my youngest daughter, the daughter that I don't have with him, was staying at my other daughter's house, babysitting her her other her other child, her son, her oldest kid. And we were all trying to think of a game plan um, because my daughter, my granddaughter, was on her way to Riley, and my daughter was in the hospital. And my other daughter was babysitting my grandson, and somebody needed to go to Riley, somebody needed to be with my daughter, and somebody needed to be with my other daughter, and it was just a big, we needed to have a meeting, a family meeting. So anyway, my ex-husband went, and he picked up my youngest daughter and my grand, our grandson, and took them to his house, and kept them for the weekend. So he had my daughter, which was not his child, at his house for the weekend. And he treated her with respect and care, and I never once doubted um, her safety at all with him. I traveled to Riley, to Riley, and I stayed up there with my granddaughter, um, and I would Skype my my daughter, um, 
and let her see how the baby was doing and give her updates. And when the doctor would come in, I would Skype him so he could talk to my daughter on the progress and the medical concerns with my granddaughter and the emergency surgery that she had. And I remember the doctor saying, this is really weird. I've never talked to anybody or conducted a medical exam with a patient before in this manner over Skype because <laughs> we were Skyping. <laughs> my how times have changed, huh? <laughs> Maybe I was onto something back then and I didn't even know it. <laughs> Who'd have thunk? Um, anyway, the moral of the story is parenting needs to be what it is. Parenting. It's not about you. It's about them. It is about the innocence of a child that both of you created together. Now, I understand that not all situations turn out in this man manner, as some are very violent relationships that do not find happy endings. And they do result in things out that are not growing and not safe and are very traumatizing and even deadly. Now, let's, let's change the subject in a different thought, but yet kind of the same area, if you will. Say you have a mother that's pregnant. And the father may or may not know that this child is even his. They may go on for years thinking that this child is his, all to find out that they weren't. Or they might have went through life not even know they had a child in the first place. They may fall behind on their child support. But continue to be in their child's physical life. Or they may not pay any support of all and not even be in the child's life. Or they might pay support religiously. But it want nothing to do with the child, but give you the money. Because it's the easy way out without getting them in trouble with the law, I'm guessing. I don't know. Or maybe they just don't care at all. And they're just living their life like old Mother Hubbard that lived in a shoe. And he didn't care how many kids he had. And he didn't even care where he was at in their life. Now, I don't understand... How a parent behind in support is of any benefit to the child's well-being and stability if he is in jail, locked up, and charged with a felony. A felony for back support. He'll lose his license, maybe have a lien on his vehicle, have a hard time finding a place to live because of this felony. Jobs will be harder to find due to having a felony. And then they may be locked up or their transportation is limited now to get back and forth to a job to have money to pay for their child support. So now they are compromised because of the same felony of the same situation. They became a bigger issue. But hey, let's get them for not being able to get back and forth to work, have money, have a stable, safe environment place to live for their child to visit, all because maybe they might have fell onto hard times, fell behind in their life. Or maybe a tragedy happened in their life and they had to put their money somewhere else. Maybe they had to bury a parent or another child or their spouse. I don't understand how that is even remotely fair. Now my ex-husband, he paid his support religiously. And when he changed jobs, he would call and let me know. And he would make sure his support was on time. He always made sure he was current and I knew what was going on. And he was in his children's lives to the best of his ability 
um, with a lot of growth that he endured over the years. Um, now, now I'm not going to paint a picture that his relationship was perfect with my kids because it wasn't. There were times that my kids did not want to go to their dads for the weekend. And it was because of the way, um, their own personal reasons. Anyway, so my youngest daughter's dad, my youngest daughter's dad, he paid his support religiously. However, he didn't want a relationship with our daughter. In fact, he had once told me that I could tell her that he died in a car accident if I wanted to. I wasn't going to do that. My oldest sister, she had three kids. And um, one point in time, her middle child, she didn't even know who the baby's dad was. She thought it was her boyfriend's that she was with at the time. <clears throat> the mother of the boyfriend uh, wanted paternity done. So, the grandmother, the patern the paternal grandmother wanted, um, she wanted paternity done. And in that paternity finding, it found out that her son was not my, my sister's baby's dad. In fact, it was developed that the, her first daughter's baby's daddy was the daddy. And um, she never received any child support for any of her kids, ever. And she raised her kids 100% on her own financially that way, in that regards of child support. Um, her youngest daughter was by a different dad. Um, and he was, she was a child of a deputy uh, in the Marion County Sheriff's Department here in Indiana. And um, he said that he couldn't have kids, that he was sterile because he was in a roller skating accident because we roller skated back in the day. And he was in a very bad accident because I, I, I've known him since I was a kid. We used to all go roller skating together. And he was in a really bad accident at the skating rink. And uh, well, anyway, he has, I think... He has several kids now, and three were born in the same year. My niece was the oldest. He didn't pay any support and actually ended up in jail for back child support, and he lost his job, and last I heard years and years ago, he worked as a security officer somewhere. I'm not really for sure. Um, my youngest sister, with all due respect, uh, was raped. And it resulted in the birth of my nephew. She kept my nephew uh, and married my brother-in-law. He took on the responsibility of not only my nephew as his own child, um, but he added two more additional kids to the family with her. And they have been married for over 20-some years now. I'm not really sure on the exact amount of years, but a long time. Uh, my nephew, my niece, and my brother-in-law... Um, our military, he, his, my nephew and his, one of his children is, he had a boy and a girl with my sister, uh, so my niece, um, they're in military. He continues to not only set an example as a father, but also continues to, continues to do so and set an example as a man protecting his and serving his country. What about parents that spend years in jail and then find out that the child is not theirs or they pay support for 18 years or so or whatever it is 
all to find out that the child that they're paying support for all those years was never even theirs. Does he deserve to be paid back for all that time and money? All the jobs and limitations that he had put on him, handed to him, jail time he was done wrongfully being accused, convicted, a felony put onto his, his record, people looking at him differently because he has a record now or because or he was in jail, um, all the time paid that he lost in his life on for a child that he believed. All this time that he had given life to. Should the other parent be responsible for paying them back? And, may, and, and suffer the same level of consequences, if you will, as wrongfully as the accused parent suffered? Shouldn't that be considered a felony? Or, I don't know, who's the real victim here? The kids, the father, yeah. And in all fairness, maybe the mother doesn't know. But you know, if you're if you're married, and the wife steps out and she gets pregnant, and they go to get divorced, and and the court asks you, are you pregnant, or is there any chance you could be pregnant? And the mother has to tell the truth. But it doesn't always mean that she does. She could say, no, I'm not pregnant. And in fact, she might be. Maybe because she doesn't want the father, the husband that she's trying to divorce, to know that she's pregnant. Or maybe she doesn't want the father to know that she's pregnant because it's not his baby. Or for whatever reason. But by law, if they are married and that woman is pregnant and she tells the court she's not, obviously that's contempt of court and that's a, that's a lie. But legally, the father of that child until paternity is established is the husband. Not the person she stepped out with until paternity is established. That husband is responsible financially and obligated and holds the consequences until paternity is established if that mother is pregnant at the time of divorce. Now, <laughs> I had a doctor tell me once, <clears throat> well, at least your, your daughter's dad pays his support. I said, I would rather him be in her life because when the money runs out, she still needs and deserves a father. The money is dispensable, really. Compared to the child losing a parent. Why should they mourn the loss of a parent that is alive all because of a dollar amount? Now I'm not saying parents don't uh, or shouldn't have the same level of financial responsibility. But also I don't think that the parent paying support should think that their $50 or $100 a week or whatever it is they're paying pays for everything. My biological dad once told us kids, I am not going to buy you guys anything for Christmas or your birthdays. Whatever your mom gets you is from me too. It came from my child support, so I paid for it. 
Now, back then in the 80s, child support could be paid directly to the other parent without payroll deduction or going downtown and paying at the child support office like they have today. Now, my biological dad would pay with a check, because we did checks back then, and hand it to me or my older sister, because my younger sister is four years younger than me, so she was a wee one. Um, he would hand it to me or my older sister. And one time he handed it to me, and I remember um, my mom was out in the driveway, and um, he handed me the check, and I was going to walk out the door, and he said, oh, wait, 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 I forgot something. And I handed the check back to him, and he took it back, and then he wadded it up in his hands, handed it back to me, and said, there, now go give this to your mother. Now, my biological father paid his support on time. He never missed a payment. However, my mother was sitting in the car, and I was put in the middle to retrieve this money, this support, child support, if you will, of what? My mental well-being? My innocence? My being a victim watching both of my parents not do anything but put me in the middle of their hate, their tantrums, if you will, and putting me in the role of deciding if I want to be this way with my own kids in, the, in my life as a parent or if I want to break that cycle and do it differently. I broke that cycle. I wasn't that parent. <clears throat> Being a victim of our own selves, our relationships, our society, our mental state of mind, and our own past experiences should not only be taught from our parents, but should also be led as an example. However, when women get pregnant, you know, she knows that she has a baby inside of her belly and this is her baby. You know, unless somebody came in in the middle of the night and swapped babies in her belly and, and whatever. <laughs> okay, so we, we all, she knows it's her kid that she helped create and bring life to in this world. The father doesn't have that same blessing. He has to trust that the woman is being honest in her fertility and her place in the growth and development of their child. They used to have a saying when I was younger, and I, I excuse me for this if it, I'm not trying to offend anybody, but this is a true. They used to, of course, I've sounded you offend everybody anyway. Anyway, they used to have a saying back in the day when I was younger. When you have a son, you only have to worry about one dick. When you have a daughter, you have to worry about several. Now, as a daughter and a woman that I am, though. Even though we are physically don't have one attached to us, doesn't mean that we have the right to be one. And just because you got one, doesn't mean you need to be one either. Now, raping anybody is straight up 100% more than wrong. Whether it be physically, mentally, or emotionally, it is still and always wrong. If we have the ability to not be that kind of person, why wouldn't we want to be? Not every story or situation is the same, and I understand that. And every and not every father is a rapist. Not every stepfather is a rapist. Not every man is a rapist. Nor woman. Because women rape people. 
Instead, they are the ones being raped without ever even being physically touched. However, in the end of it all, our innocent children are the real victims. Left to suffer, suffer and be victimized and raped of their rights to remain innocent and protected from their own parents. Parents that believe that they were old enough, mature enough, and responsible enough to bring in a pure and delicate little human being. But yet instead end up being the ones either growing up with their parent, raising their parent, being raised by someone other than their parent, or maybe not even knowing that they even have one. Or maybe not even getting the choice to even be a part of their life because their parents passed away and they were orphans. If you don't want to take the responsibility, or maybe you are not in the right frame of mind or have the ability or feel you don't have the ability to give your child a stable and healthy environment life, then do the right thing, the humane thing. Don't rape an innocent baby of their right to live. There are so many people in this world from all walks of life, all cultures, all beliefs, all places, all nationalities, all sexual content, whatever, human beings, people of this world that would be more than happy to be blessed to give your baby the best gift ever. Life. If you are a parent that struggles with being a parent, or struggles in a manner that inhibits you from being a parent. That you so heartily want to be. But may not even know how to be. Because kids don't come with instruction books. No more than a marriage does or the way of life. But please know that there are resources available for you. There are legal steps you can look into. That can help protect what is rightfully and deserving to your child. A child is... The in-between of you and your partner. But that doesn't mean that they need to be put in between you and your partner. That's abuse. Stop it. As a domestic violence survivor, as a child from a domestic violence relationship, stop it. It matters. It is scarring. And it is the chain of an inheritance that never deserves to even have a chance to have a root. To be given a chance to grow in life. If you hate your or have a problem with your ex, that's your problem. Not your child's. My son asked, asked me one time. He said, Mom, tell me about yours and dad's relationship. What happened? Why did you guys get a divorce? I mean, what, what went wrong? And I looked at him and I said, you know, son, my thoughts and my opinions are my own. And I'm not going to influence you on how to feel about your dad based off of what my situation was. You need to come to that conclusion and that decision on your own without me influencing that, that level of your relationship. It is that simple to do as a parent. It is that simple and that much needed for a child. 
Now, I I know it might seem like I'm getting off title and I'm going here and there or whatever, but really, I'm really not because it all comes down to the same place. The kid, the child, the innocent. However, how can you really title such a subject that shouldn't even be a story in the first place? Our world isn't our future. Our world is our children. And our children are the future. Sally, in the end, though, there will be a time when neither one of you as a parent will be there. And the child will be left alone. And will be left to mourn more than what they ever deserved or needed to. The silence of their parents, not on earth, I guarantee you will be louder and amplified more in magnitude than any argument will ever be between you, regardless of your dominancy and your control. I would like to thank everybody for joining me again. I hope you check out my other podcasts as well. I hope that you take everything I have talked about and utilize it appropriately to what is needed in your particular situation. I pray that you don't take it and utilize it against each other or on your children. And if you are a male, a father, and you are being raped of your right as a father. Please know that there are women out there that will clear their throat for you if that's what it takes. Because in the end, it does matter. In the end, you deserve to be a father. And that child deserves not to have that be the end. You don't deserve to not be able to have your God-given right. And you do not deserve to mourn the loss of a child that you would have been more than happy to give life to. Had God been able to give you the ability to have such a blessing as to carry a child physically. Instead... You're at the mercy of the woman on that situation. And I am sorry. My heart goes out to you. It really does. This is Dee. And you have been listening to Let Me Clear My Throat. Men being raped of their rights as a father. Please know your resources. They are out there. There are people that can help you. Thank you and have a very blessed evening.